I want to talk to you today about um, the analogy of cisterns used in the scripture and recognizing cisterns during Advent. My grandpa um, bought two quarters of land um, when my mom and dad decided to move from Omaha, where dad had been a baker, and uh, they moved up uh, to Butler, South Dakota, and they were going to start farming. And so grandpa bought two quarters of land, and that was a huge stretch for him. At the sound booth, if you can turn me up so I don't have to stretch this voice any, that would be, that would be helpful. Um, that was a huge stretch because he was ultra-conservative. I, I can't imagine him borrowing money for anything. But anyway, he did. He, he loved my dad, and uh, he went and bought two quarters of land, borrowed the money for it, and set us up. And in that very first year that dad was up farming, he had a farm accident that killed him. And so then grandpa's sitting with two quarters of land and he's extremely nervous because he's in debt for all this land. And, and so he goes and he sells that and he buys another quarter of land closer to where he lives that had become available. And so he was in less debt and all of that. And that's where he put my, my mom and us three boys. And um, then, um, so, so here we are. This is the, the place. And at the time that we got it, we, the, the old garage was there. The house was there. The granary and the chicken coop. And then just the, the red barn with the big roof that we hauled bales up there every year to the roof, to the peak of square bales. Um, so anyway, it was, it was just kind of a typical old farmhouse and old barn, uh, but fairly in, in pretty much good shape. And the well on the place was, was right behind this here, and there was a water tank that used to be right there. And so the well was there, and we would, and there was a hydrant there to fill the water tank. And so when we wanted water at the house and the cistern run dry, we would stretch out garden hoses all the way, 300 plus feet um, there, summer, winter, whenever, um, to fill up the cistern. And um, that was quite an adventure. Well, then mom remarried, and she remarried a guy from Texas who was kind of a jack-of-all-trades, had done all kinds of different things with his life and had never really settled on um, anything in particular. And when he came up, uh, he decided he was going to be a dairy farmer. <laughs> and so we started dairy farming, um, and which Grandpa had done most of his life also. And so uh, my stepdad built, uh, you can kind of see the shadow of it there, um, there was a milking parlor there, and then he built all this other stuff. There's the hog barn and and uh, all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, he had to, in order to put the milking parlor in, he had to upgrade our water supply to meet the codes of the day uh, for dairy regulations. And so he ran at the same time, he ran a pipeline or a pipe underground from the the pump all the way in uh, to and put a hydrant right on right in front of the cistern that was six feet from our house. And um, so after that, all we had to do when the cistern ran dry is go get a, a hose, you know, about six feet long and 
turn it on there and run it right in the cistern. And anyway, we felt pretty good about that um, in those days. And um, the basement walls in that house were made of just big rocks, uh, just stacked on top of each other with some cement piled in there in between them. And, um, and it wasn't in very good shape at all. And the old water pump down in that basement um, was fairly inconsistent. I mean, you just never knew for sure that you were going to uh, get it to always work. And you, so we were just always careful with water. Um, very, very careful. And so every summer, um, I got the delightful responsibility of climbing down in the cistern and cleaning that thing out. And it also was very old. And it was made of rocks and bricks and, and some plaster and cement in there that was coming out. And you could, you could dig with your fingers into the, the earth uh, behind some of it and all of that. And um, the plaster was falling off the walls. And so I'd get down there and clean out the plaster in the bottom and the lizards and all the other creepy, slimy animals that came into our cistern um, to help our water supply. And um, then we'd rinse down the walls with bleach and all of that, and we'd go for another year and then do the whole thing again. But here's the interesting thing is, you probably already caught on to this. We ran an underground pipe all the way to the cistern, and we could have run it six feet further and run it right in the house had always good, clean water that was pressurized, that we didn't have to worry about the old pump, we didn't have to worry about the cistern or cleaning it out every year or any of that, another six feet. But we went for, you know, another decade before, you know, we lost the farm and all of that using the old cistern. When we could have taken that pipe and just gone another six feet, and had good, clean, consistent water at the house. And we could have had just as good a water at the house as we enjoyed in the barn. <laughs> so here's the deal. Christmas offers us that kind of choice. Advent offers us that kind of choice. We can drink from the stale cistern water of life. Or we can drink from springs of living water. The Israelites really had that choice when Jesus came. They, they had a choice. Do we want to continue to stay with the stale Old Testament covenant? Or do we want to jump into springs of living water that the New Testament offers? And you know the story. They rejected it. They rejected Jesus. And they, they just wanted to stay with what they knew and, and all the legalism and all this stuff in the Old Testament. They didn't want to jump ship and they didn't want to take the living water that was right there for them. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 says this. Excuse me. <coughs> My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And then Jeremiah 17, 13 says, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. 
Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Well, I want to ask you this morning, as we get ready for Christmas, and that would, that's what Advent is all about. Is it's us preparing ourselves to really take in all that we're supposed to take in from this beautiful Christmas season that we're in. When we remember that God sent Jesus to earth to become one of us, to, to die for our sins. Darren Hicks says that the people of Jeremiah's day were trusting in three key things that were wrong for them to trust in because they weren't trusting in God. First, they trusted in their own wallets. They were trusting in their own ability to provide for their needs instead of trusting in God's ability to take care of them. Secondly, he says, in regard to warfare, they, they were turning to other governments, other nations to protect them. And, and Egypt, of all places, and, and Ammon, and Moab, and all these, these countries that had been their enemies, they would go and make alliances with them against Babylon instead of trusting in their God. And, and so he says, you know, they, they began to trust in wrong things instead of the things that, instead of trusting in God. And then the third thing is worship. And, and they were misdirected in their worship. They were worshiping, but they were worshiping idols of wood and stone and, and things that they had made with their own hands instead of worshiping the living God. And so one of the questions for us is, during this Advent season, what old cisterns are you depending on when God wants to bring living water into your life. Here's some ways that we might turn um, to cistern water instead of living water. Our world, our culture wants us just to celebrate happy holidays. I want to tell you, that's just cistern water. We're here to celebrate Christmas, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's the difference between cistern water and living water. Or how about rituals? This is the time of year we can go through a lot of rituals. But the question is, is, is it just a ritual? Is it just something we're doing? Or is there a relationship with Christ behind it? Do we have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what Christmas is all about. That's why God sent his son, is so that you and I can have a relationship with him. Not just so that we just go through motions and go through actions. Or here's another sister. Just so much frantic, stressful busyness that we miss the prince of peace. Isn't that kind, kind of interesting? That the one time of year we talk about God as the Prince of Peace is Christmas. <laughs> and it's probably the least peaceful time in our calendars. So what are you going to do about that this year? To make sure that during this season there is some peace in your life. Don't let this whole season go and it just be a frantic, stressful, 
pace without taking some time to, to create some peace that only Jesus can bring in your life. Here's another one. You know, cisterns are something that man makes. Doesn't matter where you go. There's You go look on the internet. There are all kinds of different varieties of cisterns. But man makes them. Living waters, springs, rivers, that's all God made. So one of the cisterns that you and I might create in our life is that of just trying to do everything in our own power and in our own might. Um, Working in our own power instead of by the Spirit's power. You know, we can become so accustomed to the ways of Jesus and to living water in the church because we've grown up in it that pretty soon we just start looking to the ways of the world to see, well, I wonder if there's life there. I wonder if there's water there. And pretty soon, just because we are so familiar with what we have in Christ, we just kind of wander away from it and look to see what there might be somewhere else. Be careful of that. Because you're going back to cistern water. <laughs> you may be a second or third generation Christian. But those grandparents, they left the cistern to find living water. Don't revert back. Don't go back to the cistern water just because you're bored with it. <laughs> Nobody wants to drink cistern water after they've had living water, and we shouldn't either. Here's another one. Where do you find pleasure at in your life? You can find pleasure in idolatry or immorality, or you can find pleasure in just living for Jesus. Secular humanism. Another one that we can just, is part of our culture today. Or you can adopt a Christian worldview and look at the world through the eyes of God and the way he sees the world. Beth Stevens writes a blog and she writes that cisterns were used for three different things in in the Bible. One, for provision of water. Secondly, uh, prisons. Uh, Jeremiah was thrown in a cistern prison. Um, Others were, (coughs) excuse me. And then also others um, were put in graves. Um, In Jeremiah, there were times when people would just throw bodies in in cisterns and use them as a grave. And, And she uses that analogy to say this, that most of the addictions that you and I have are really misdirected worship. They might refer to drugs and alcohol and pornography and all those kind of things that we look down on, but what about the things we're addicted to? Shopping, internet, sports, outward appearances, personal agendas, food, all those kind of things that you and I have our own addictions to. And she says, you know, they start out as a means of provision. They provide something for us. Even... As minor as it might be, we just kind of like that. And it provides it for us. And then pretty soon we become so dependent on them that they become a prison to us because they limit us. 
because we can't function without this or we can't function without that. And then she says, finally, they become our grave and they finally kill us. They do us in. And so she says, be very careful that the cistern that you're drawing water from as a means of providing something you want in life doesn't become something that you just have to have and then something that eventually does you in. That's not living water. Be careful of the things that you become addicted to in life. Now I want to tell you, we never get living water without thinking outside the box. The reason we never ran the pipe all the way to the house is we never thought outside the box. All we had ever known in our life was cisterns. So of course you run the pipe to the cistern to fill the cistern. You don't run the pipe the extra six feet in the house. We never thought outside the box. And there were six of us who didn't think outside the box. (laughs) Pretty sad. If you want living water, you have to think outside the box. And if we had only thought outside the box or hoped for a little bit better than what we had, we might have grown up with the same quality water in the house that we had out in the barn. Well, Frederick Beekner is a Presbyterian theologian. He writes an encouraging note about Christmas, demonstrating the length that God will go to to have a relationship with us, to be active in our life. And, and um, he says, once we have God in a stable, um, we can never be sure where God will appear or to what ludicrous depths of self-humiliation God will descend in the wild pursuit of us if holiness and the awesome power and majesty of God were present in this least auspicious of all events, the birth of a peasant's child, then there is no place or time so lowly or earthbound that holiness cannot be present there too. And this means that there is no place that we can hide from God. It's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. That God, I mean, Jesus should have been born in a palace. But he's born in a manger. And it, you know, he could have been born in the end, somewhere in between, but no, he's born in a stable. In a manger. And if God can come To earth in that situation, wherever you are in life, God can come to that. And God wants to come in and be part of your life wherever you are, whether whether you're in the palace or whether you've been kicked out of the inn and you're down in the manger and life isn't going very well for you and all of a sudden, you know, this is evidence that God wants to be very involved in our lives regardless of of our situation or our status in life and all of that. There's, there's a story in the New Testament of the Samaritan woman who whose life was so ravaged 
by her life choices. That she was embarrassed to go get water at the cool of the day when all the other women would go because she didn't even want to be seen in public anymore. And so she goes during the heat of the day in Israel. And she goes out to Jacob's well to draw water and Jesus meets her there at that time of day. And he says to her, would you draw me some water that I may drink? And she says, to, she says back to Jesus, she says, you are a man. And he said, yeah, I know. And you are a Jew. You're not even supposed to be talking to me because I'm a Samaritan. And on top of that, I'm a woman. Why would you ask me for a drink of water? And Jesus asked her, answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. In other words, he says, I came and asked you for cistern water. But you should have really asked me for living water. If you had any idea who I was. When Jesus lives in us, when we believe in him, uh, rivers of living water flow through us and this belief is trusting God, trusting his way, trusting his truth, trusting his word over all the other things the world has to offer. And sometimes it's pretty amazing the things we will trust in. Just take evolution, for example. I mean, to believe in evolution that is a wild leap of faith. you got to really have something wrong with your head to be able to believe, first of all, where the first thing came from that evolved. You know, I'd like to hear the explanation for that. And then to think that you know, we came from apes or whatever else and we just keep evolving and, and all this kind of stuff. That's cistern water, friends. It's a whole lot easier for me to believe that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, out of absolutely nothing, created everything. That doesn't take a lot of faith for me compared to believing in evolution. It's the difference between cistern water and living water all over again. There's kind of an arrogance, though that goes with believing our cistern water is the best we can have. <laughs> There's an arrogance that goes with that, and we think our stale cisterns are better than the living water that is just six feet away from us. Jesus helped that Samaritan woman take her eyes off the handmade well that Jacob had dug. So that was pretty important that Jacob had dug it. And there's some things that we hang on to because so-and-so did this and so-and-so dug it. And Jesus took her eyes off that and said, no, you don't want that water anymore. You want living water. You want what Jesus has to offer. Jesus wants to say that same thing to us. Is there something in your life that is cistern water and God wants to take you away from that because you're used to depending on it and he wants to give you living water. John chapter 7 verse 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, 
rivers of living water will flow from within him. Them. Revelation reminds us that following Christ may not always um, save us from earthly troubles. We watched the, the show The Insanity of God about a month ago on Sunday night and watched the documentary about how Christians around the world are being persecuted for Christ. And, and, and we left that night a very somber group. We didn't talk much at the end of that service. We just kind of all went home. And part of that was because we, I, I, I can speak for myself at least, we were just sitting there thinking, boy, I wonder if I was, if I was there, how I would respond. Would I stand for my faith when it was costing my children, <laughs> when it was my spouse being persecuted because of my faith? All of those kind of questions uh, flow through that. And, and, and sometimes, friends, being a Christian is not going to be the easiest thing. But here's what the scriptures say. In fact, sometimes being a Christian will add troubles to your life. But even those who go through the tribulation are promised in the end that the Lamb of God will lead them to springs of living water and will wipe away their tears. Revelation 7, 17, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. St. Bernard de Clairvaux lived um, in the early 1100s. He was a French abbot and a, and a very ascetic man, had a, a very peculiar diet, didn't do uh, eat anything that tasted good. I'll just leave it there. Um, and he didn't eat much. And um, he, was, he was very influential in his day, actually advised four popes uh, over the course of their life. And, and one of the last popes said, he said, it does no good to be Pope. He said, everyone thinks you're the Pope. <laughs> but anyway, um, St. Bernard of Clairvaux described three comings of the Lord in Advent. He said, Advent prepares us for three comings. The first one is the visible coming of Christ in weakness and flesh to Israel. And that's the one that we celebrate. That's the one we think of at Christmas time. The church historically has also celebrated a second visible um, at Christmas, thought about usually the second Sunday of Advent, um, the second visible coming of Christ. And at Christmas time, we talk about the fact that he's come, but he's coming again. And so he's coming again in glory and majesty at the end of time. And then St. Bernard talks about a middle coming, not the third coming, but the middle coming of Christ. And that is... Um, the invisible coming of Christ in spirit and in power to the church as we travel from that first coming to the second coming. That's where you and I live our lives at. And whether you're up there, you know, in some royal palace or some you've been kicked out of the end and you're down in a manger, all of that, Christ wants to come in spirit and in power and be living water for each one of us. Isaiah 43, 19 says, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do not perceive, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So Advent is an opportunity for you and I to say, to recognize the cisterns we have in our life and to say, yeah, I think I want to take that pipe the extra six feet (laughs) and I want to have living water. Advent is an opportunity for us to recognize the cisterns that you and I have dug and choose the living water of Christ over it. 